Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio's A Date with Destiny for Monday, April the 8th, 2019. I'm your host and author of the book, Destiny Awaits, The Pouring Out of Wisdom for Humanity to Drink, Lisa M. Saunders, coming to you from Owings Mills, Maryland. And this broadcast is being sponsored by Masterminds LLC, inspiring and empowering people to achieve a greater destiny. We are super excited this evening about being with you and to be able to share love and wisdom with the desire to uplift, inspire, motivate, and empower you to live a more peace-filled, joyful, and loving life. So to receive this um to receive this broadcast, just simply go to the iTunes store, click on podcast, and type in a date with destiny. You can also receive it via my website, yourdestinyawaits.net, or simply by Googling us, Blog Talk Radio, a date with destiny. You can also follow us on Twitter at least 101. That's L-Y-S-E 101. So if you would like to become a sponsor or to get more exposure for your literary work or business, you can send a message via my website, info at yourdestinyawaits.net, or via my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash a date with destiny 101. So once again, we are excited to be able to share with our listeners information from people of all walks of life that we believe will inspire, motivate, and empower you. We are happy to be approaching our sixth year of broadcasting next week, actually, and can't wait to share some great things from some really extraordinary people that we have coming up for the rest of this season. So on Monday... With that in mind, on Monday, um, April the 22nd, we are honored to have as our special guest, civil rights icon, freedom writer, participant in the Jackson Woolworth sit-in, the March on Washington, the uh, the Meredith March, and the Selma to Montgomery March, and the recipient of the 2015 National Civil Rights Museum Freedom Award, Ms. Joan Trump Power, Muhalan. So save that date, April Monday, April the 22nd. You're not going to want to miss that one. So tonight, like I said, we have another amazing show. April is Poetry Month, and here to start us off is none other than seven-time NAACP Image Award winner, Grammy-nominated, and best-selling author, Miss Nikki Giovanni. Let's give Miss Nikki a little bit of uh, applause because this woman is absolutely amazing. Nikki Giovanni is one of America's foremost poets. Over the course of a long career, Nikki has published numerous collections of poetry from her first self-published volume, Black Feeling Black Talk in 68, to New York Times bestseller Bicycles, Love Poems. Several works of nonfiction and children's literature and multiple recordings, including the Emmy Award nominated the Nikki Giovanni Poetry Collection in 2004. Miss Nikki is a frequent lecturer and reader and has taught at Rutgers University, Ohio State University, Virginia Tech, and where, and where she is um, a university distinguished professor. Nikki's first 
published volumes of poetry grew out of her response to the assassinations of such figures as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, um, Evers and Robert Kennedy, and the pressing need she saw to raise awareness of the plight and the rights of Black people. Black Feeling Black Talk in 68 and Black Judgment. Oh my gosh, if you have not ever heard Black Judgment, you need to go and read that poem. It is phenomenal. Um, so Miss Nikki's growing political and spiritual awareness uh, led her to writing these poems. Um, and the early books followed by a recreation, which was in 1970, quickly established Miss Nikki as a prominent new voice in African-American literature. Black Feeling Black Talk sold over 10,000 copies in its first year alone. In addition to writing for adults um, in Gemini and other works during the early 70s, Miss Nikki began to compose verses for children. Um, in her children's book, Rosa, which was in 2005, and that was awarded um, a medal and the Coretta Scott King Award for its illustration. She received numerous awards for her work, including honors from the National Council of Negro Women and the National Association of Radio and Television Announcers. She was featured in articles for magazines such as Ebony, Jet, and Harper's Bazaar. She also continued to travel, making trips to Europe and Africa. And as Miss Nikki moved through her middle years, her work continued to reflect her changing concerns and perspective. So after saying all of that, A Date with Destiny would like to welcome Miss Nikki Giovanni to the show. Hello, Miss Nikki Giovanni. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I, I am wonderful. How are oh, you? Was, I'm doing good. That was quite an introduction. I'm so, yes. so pleased to, to be invited to, to share with you. Oh, well, thank you so much. And Miss Nikki, this this introduction, I could have gone on and on and on because you have done so much. Your work has just carried on throughout, I think, what, starting back in the 60s? Right, yeah. I've been writing since like 67, 68. So, yes. It's, 60, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm an old and woman. you know what? <laughs> no, no. I would say seasoned woman. Thank you very much. Uh, very seasoned. <laughs> and, I, you know, it's funny because I was talking to my husband earlier, um, and I, well, I've just been, ever since you agreed to come on the show, I can't tell you I've had a countdown. You know, I've been counting down to Miss Nikki, you know, um, to April 8th. And um, I was just so excited. And I told him, I said, there's only a few women in my lifetime that, um, I admire and adore, actually, and that I look up to because, you know, we, you know, as African-American women, um, for me, and this is just my opinion, when I look around, um, there aren't too many, I mean, I know they're out there, mm-hmm. but there are not too many where I can say, you know what, this is somebody that I could just sit at their feet day in and day out and just soak in their energy and their wisdom. And you are one of those women. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you yeah, no, uh, of course, you know, Maya, and we're so sorry she's gone. We, yes, uh, we, she was an We all love to uh, sit there and talk to Maya and hear her stories. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she's a neighbor uh, because Maya, I'm at Virginia Tech. I still teach. And uh, uh-huh. Maya was at uh, Wake Forest, so she was only two hours away. And we both think that we're good cooks. I am actually a better cook than Maya, but she never wanted to admit that. <laughs> so yeah, we because would, I heard. Go ahead. No, but I would go down. You know, she'd call and say, well, I'm fixing fried chicken or whatever she was fixing. And you ought to come down and taste it. And I'd go down and say, well, I'll come back. And then I would fix like a rack of lamb and say, you know, how are you, how you going to top that? And so it was a lot of fun uh, uh, just visiting with Maya. And, uh, it, you know, we miss her. We, yes. We really oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 She was, she was another one of my sheroes um, along with another one of your friends. Cause I've met Miss Maya before and, and, you know, I met her and I've also met one of my other sheroes who I miss 
so much, Miss Ruby D. I know that she's also a, was a friend of yours, and oh, I got yeah. a chance. I got a chance to spend a few hours with her when she came to Maryland. When her and her husband, her dear Ozzy, um, right oh, after yeah. they wrote their book, yeah. Right. No, so yeah. Ruby's, Ruby's good people, really good yeah. people. You could count on her. Um, she came down to have a reading with us here at Virginia Tech. Just always a nice, the nicest person. So whatever mm-hmm. she was doing, you always said yes because you could never say no to Ruby, <laughs> and she yes. seemed to feel the same way. So she would say, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll be down. I'll come." And after after, oh. after uh, Ozzy passed, you know, she was very yeah. uh, available. So it was, it yeah. was good. Yeah, just amazing women. And you know, so reading over your bio, uh, Miss Nikki, and just I, Nikki. I okay, just Nikki. I'm you know I'm from the you know, sort of south, and it's just, you know, in me to, you know, respect my other. So, okay, so now that you gave me your permission, <laughs> um, I was reading through your bio and um, going over some of your talks and things like that, you know, like pulling up YouTube videos and um, listening to you talk, which I could listen to, like, all day and all night. And one of the ones, well, a couple of them really uh, uh, tickled me, but <laughs> I saw you on TED Talk. Do you remember that one? Uh, and Okay, well, on, you were on TED Talk one day, and, uh, you know, when I was reading over your um, political uh, views and some of your writings and your activism, and you said you came on stage, and one of the first things that you said was, um, um, I promised I wouldn't do anything political. I cracked up when you said that. I was like, oh, my gosh, so you mean to tell me they actually made you promise that you would not come out there and talk about <laughs> I was like, wow, they must be really scared of you. No, I don't. I, I'm sure I did something political, though. Well, and yeah, you you snuck it in, but it was very, you know, it, yeah, it, it was it was good. It was good. And then another thing that you said during that particular TED talk was, um, you were talking about you. Well, you read a, a few of your poetry, a few of your poems, and this is to my writers out there because I'm a writer. Um, you know, I love books. I love to write, and I know I have a lot of um, authors and people who want to become authors who are listening. And some of some of you gave some really profound advice when you said um, the first person that reads what you write is you. That that's correct. Yeah. And that's hard to make writers understand because they're always thinking, if I write this, I'm going to sell it or I'm going to, my agent has to read it or I'm going to, you know, they send it out. But the first person to read it is you. So it mm-hmm. has to, if it's funny, you have to be the one who laughs. That's right. <laughs> you know, if, if you're not laughing, then it's not funny. <laughs> so, that's right. That's yeah. right. I love that advice. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I remember when I was writing my first book and, um, you know, I had, well, you know, angels were just all around me, you know, because of course, when it's your first one, you really don't know what you're doing. You just know that you have something that you want to say. And okay. so I was blessed to have an awesome editor that guided me, you know, through the process. And one of the things that she said to me, which I never forgot, was that um, after you write a few chapters, you know, put the book down and walk away from it for a while. Not just a yeah. week or two weeks, just completely leave it alone and then come back. And, Have you done that? Uh, well, uh, as a poet, you, you, you look at things a little um, a little differently Different. because you, you read mm-hmm. a poem, and if it doesn't hit you right away, you know, you just hit delete. Okay. But poems are very different. And, of course, okay. once you hit delete, then you get to think about what you were trying to say again. But right. if you hold it, you say, oh, I'm going to correct this or I'm going to make another statement. It'll never work. <laughs> so yeah. you just hit delete and, and start all over again. Yes, and I hope everybody just heard what she just said. You know, just, and you said it just so cash, just hit delete, you know, just start over. Just start so, over. So, yeah. Because yeah. there's no such thing as mistakes, but there is something called better. And you can mm. do better. So right. if it's not if it's not pleasing you, admit it. Well, it doesn't please me. Hit delete. Let yourself, you know, think about it and absorb it, and 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 go forward. Absolutely, very good advice. Okay, so there's so much to talk about. I mean, I just like you know, I was trying to cut things down and take this out and add this on, and I said, you know what? No, I'm gonna. T- 
take Miss Nikki. Well, I'm I'm going to take Nikki's mm-hmm. advice because I I listen to you a lot. Like I said, I was um you you know googling you, YouTubing you, and just finding everything that I could. And one thing that I admire about you is that you are um, unapologetic to your feelings and your thoughts. And you just go for it. And I love that about you. And one of the interviews that I went back in time was Mr. James Baldwin. Oh, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, I I was so uh, really thankful that uh, he would would spend the time. Uh, Jimmy lives, you know, in uh, in, in, uh, Pont-de-Vence, which is in Mm -hmm. France. And uh, a friend, we, we shared a couple of friends. And uh, I had done a lot of favors uh, helping put a te- television show. And so Ellis, uh, Hazlip, Ellis said to me, you know, what can I do? What should I do for you? And I said, oh, I'd love to talk to Jimmy Baldwin, but you probably don't know him. Oh, yeah, he said, I do. And so he called Jimmy, and Jimmy said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk to her, but I don't have time to come to the United States. Would she mind, and you got to be, <laughs> would she mind coming to London? And I said, you've got to be kidding. I'm walk to London. <laughs> And I, I was so, oh, I was so excited. So we went to London, yeah. and if you ever get to see it, you'll see that the um, the British directed, the, the the film was directed, or it wasn't really a film, but the uh, yeah. document, our talk was directed by the British, who direct very differently from the Americans. So it was very right. nice watching his hands and my hands and watching how things go. But it was such yeah. a pleasure talking to such a brilliant young man. Well, I guess he's a little oh. bit older than I am. But to talk to Baldwin was, was such a pleasure. I was riveted. I just was like, I, I mean, I felt like, and I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Like I was literally watching history in the making of something phenomenal, you know, happening. And it's it's kind of, <clears throat> um, I love how when you can capture things, you know, from way back when and how mm-hmm. it's relevant 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you know, um, into the future, and I think that's relevant. That that talk that you all did—it's making its rounds again on social media. By the way, I didn't know if you knew that or not. Uh, yeah, people have told me that. I don't do social media, so uh, mm-hmm. I don't email or what is that thing, Twitter or Facebook yeah. or anything. But um, people have have said, you know, they've seen it. And I'm I'm really pleased because uh, yeah. one of the things that we know is that uh, Baldwin is uh, an everlasting writer. He, he, we'll yeah. be reading Jimmy, you know, two hundred years right. from now. Because Absolutely. he was not only a good storyteller, but he was also a very honest man. And so, mm-hmm. his, he, speaking of people who let their feelings out, Jimmy always let his feelings, and he wasn't a mean person. So mm-hmm. even uh, for, you know, white Americans can't say, oh, he was mean, he, he hated us. He didn't. He was just saying, you know, you guys got to do a little better. And I, right. I think that that was wonderful, yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that his feelings, um, you know, he held it together. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And you um, interviewed another icon, uh, Mr. Muhammad Ali. So tell us oh, about yeah. that one. Oh, well, you know, Muhammad Ali, we were friends. I mean, he was wonderful. Once he lost his belt, uh, he he needed to do something. You know, he was a big mouth. You know that. And then, yes. but he wasn't used to being on stage. He was just used to answering. He, was talking, he would talk to people like you. And he would mm-hmm. say funny or great things. But now, having lost his belt, he realized that well, he needed to be able to go on stage and make a, a a statement, to be able to give a speech, but, you know, he wasn't going to read it. And so uh, his people called me and said, you know, would you would you mind? And, it, again, that's like you've got to be kidding. Would you mind you know, going, uh, uh, you know, taking Muhammad Ali around with you? So I, I actually, uh, he was opening, as it were, for me. And what I was t- teaching him is just stand on You know, don't be afraid. Stand on stage. Being on stage with a microphone, it's like being in the in the the room. It's like rope a dope, and yeah. uh, I think that I was uh, some help to him relaxing. And uh, I I just I enjoyed uh, traveling with with Ali, and I have a son, and at that point uh, Ali didn't have a son, so now you know he he got to play with my son is Thomas, so he got to play with Thomas, and he got to you know practice his father skills. <laughs> and it was, oh it was wow. Great. Yeah, wow. And I'm quite sure you've had, like, so many of those um, uh, moments where you found yourself in places and talking to people that just kind of blew your mind. 
I know if I talked to Muhammad Ali, that would blow my mind. <laughs> you know, he wouldn't let it blow your mind because he was the nicest man. And he okay. always made you feel comfortable. He, You know, <laughs> you might be a little surprised, but you would go over it because you, you would get over it because he's going to let let you and make you feel relaxed. Comfortable. He, he was a very, awesome. very comfortable person and a very comfortable person to um, be around. And, of course, his wife liked me, which we always laughed about because his wife trusted me with him. Because she they, right. she didn't like a lot of women around him. <laughs> yeah, can you blame her? <laughs> well, <laughs> but uh, well, she trusted me with him, and that was good. We had yeah. we uh, the three of us had, had a good relationship, and that and that was good. That was good. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in that TED talk, um, you you read a poem, one of your poems about fear. Mm-hmm. And one of the lines, because you said something about Muhammad Ali and, you know, um, trying to help him through his fear of your stage fright, pr- pretty much. And you, uh, one of those lines from there, um, you said, it's not fear that causes problems. It's when hatred is combined with it. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about fear and how it's, you know, it's a, it's a warning sign and how healthy it is, it, you know, in, in a different perspective. But when right. you said that, I was like, wow, you know, that's pretty powerful. Well, you have to, you're going to have some fear as you're learning anything new. And uh, my friend, uh, who you may not know, uh, uh, Scott Peacock, who was very close to a dear friend of mine, Edna Lewis, who was the country cook. Mm-hmm. And as, as Edna grew older, Scott was the one who stepped up. Uh, Edna Lewis is a black cook, one of the, uh, she's on a stamp, by the way. And mm-hmm. uh, Scott, Scott took it, took uh, just stepped into it and and took her in his home and and just took care of her. It was really wonderful. But uh, one of the things you know that that you learn, and he was in an article recently, is that you've got to put your hands. He makes he makes the world's best biscuits. They mm. said he, he fries good chicken, <clears throat> but it wasn't his mm. chicken. It was it was Edna Lewis's chicken. But he does okay. make the world's best. <laughs> that's the truth. Okay. But he does make the world's best biscuits. And uh-huh. as he said, what you have to do is you have to put your hands in the bowl. And mm. that made sense. You could tell he was talking to me and Edna because we both feel that way. If you're going to do something, you've got to put your hands in the bowl. Yes, and ma'am. And you're going to make a mistake. You're gonna, uh, I've been trying to learn the Italians, you know, have this uh, really lovely salad. And it, it's day-old bread that they do with uh, um, uh, uh, tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. You know, everything Italians in the world, everything they do has tomatoes in it. And what they yes. end up doing, they heat the tomato sauce, put it over the day-old bread. It's a wonderful salad. But you have to figure out how to make that work, how to make it smooth. And the first mm-hmm. couple of times that I've done it, it was really terrible. <laughs> it was, right. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was embarrassing, actually. I, I threw it out because uh-huh. I had too much salt and the bread was too high. You know, too, the bread was too big. Right. But But you keep... You you haven't made a mistake. You've learned something. There you and go. And that's what people have people have to realize. I didn't make yeah. a mistake. I learned something. And that's you keep right. doing it until you learn. Oh, this is how you do it right. And then you go to the next step. You know that, that's, that's what right. makes it great. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, there's another topic too that I, I wanted to touch on. Um, I'm trying to get through a lot of things, but another one of your stories that I found very interesting. Uh, you knew Mr. Harold Logan. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that's... That's his grandson. Harold oh, really? Logan is a wonderful, yeah, uh, his grandson's working on a book, and I'm so I'm so pleased because Harold was a great man. Harold and, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's his name, uh, Wilson Pickett owned uh, Birdland. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to do a, a book party, and I thought, because my mother is a jazz fan, I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could do it at Birdland, then mommy could come. Mommy was in Cincinnati. I was living in New York. And I thought, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be great? That's when Birdland was downstairs. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what you know in New York, but it was downstairs. We went down to Birdland. And so mm-hmm. uh, one, one, one Monday, because Birdland, you know, they were in those days uh, the, the bars were closed on Sunday, and very mm-hmm. few people opened on Monday because nobody came out. And so I knew that Mr. Logan would be there, and I walked down to ask, you know, 
if he had a moment, I said, I'd like to see Mr. Logan. He said, I am <laughs> Mr. Logan. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm Nikki Giovanni. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a writer. And he's just looking at me like, and? <laughs> right. And I said, you know, I'd like to have a, 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 a book signing here. And he's looking at me saying, what? I said, you know, we, you know, have a reading and everything. I said, have it on Sunday because you're closed anyway. And he said, well, what do you pay me for it? I said, oh, Mr. Logan, I don't have any money, I'm, and I didn't, I'm a poet. I said, I don't have right. any money, you know. What what, what, what can we do to, to make this work? And uh-huh. he thought about it for me, and he said, well, you bring me 100 people, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be fair. 99 people, and you'll owe me $500. And I uh-huh. said, well, that, that, that sounds great, you know. <laughs> I figured I'd get 100 people to do anything. And then I shook hands with him and walked upstairs, and I realized, oh, my God, Mr. Logan is a gangster. If I don't get 100 people in there, I'm going to have a Right. <laughs> don't have a real problem. But I worked really hard. We had a wonderful, it was just a wonderful reading. And uh, I've always admired Harold, and I was very sorry. Uh, there was some disagreement between some group and another. I watched The Godfather, so one family and another, you know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And he was shot down on, uh, I, kn- I knew the man who killed him, Eddie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was shot down on Broadway. And it was a, a, a loss because I think that Mr. Logan would have been involved with, become a part of the arts. And I think that, that he was a great loss to lose. Mm. Um, and you say, well, he was just a gangster, but he wasn't. And he had control of a few things, and to bring him into the arts would have been a good thing. I, I was just mm-hmm. very, very sorry um, that mm-hmm. we lost Harold. Yeah, I like yeah. him. But I've always liked yeah. people nobody else liked. I, I'm one of the few people uh, who liked uh, Andy Stroud, who was Nina's husband, Nina Simone's husband. And okay. Nina and I were friends. And you mm-hmm. almost will never hear anybody like, <laughs> like really? Andy. Yeah, because everybody is mad. They said, oh, Andy hollered at Nina all the time, one thing, then another. But uh, that was none of my business, first of all. And I knew mm-hmm. that Andy cared about her. But mm-hmm. Andy taught my son on Saturday. Andy would come. Uh, Nina had a daughter. Nina and Andy had a daughter named Lisa. And in, Lena and uh, Nina and, uh, uh, not Nina, excuse me, Lisa and uh, my son Thomas, Andy would take them to the Y. To, to learn how to swim. That's how my son learned how to swim, because I can't mm-hmm. swim. Mm-hmm. But Andy would pick him up and, and uh, take him to the Y, and they went swimming. I like Andy. I, I'm sure that everybody has faults. I do, you do, everybody else. Yes, but ma'am. I thought that Andy was a good man, and I thought that he got a bad um, reputation. I think that people enjoyed trying to put him down. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, one of the things that I love about that story that you talk that you tell about uh Birdland was the fact that the thing that struck me the most besides the poem Black Judgment cuz there's a line in Black Judgment that I absolutely just flip over where you say I'm so hip even my errors are correct. I'm like, girl, now you know, now you know you a bad sister. Anytime you so hip that even your errors are correct. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I love that line. But one of the things that I, I that stuck that sticks out with me about your story is the fact that you went for it because I'm a believer. You have not because you asked not. You went and approached this gangster <laughs> with no. You didn't have any money, and you this is you said I had an idea. This is what I want. If you, if I don't ask, you know, you will never know. And then you had the event, and it was amazing, wasn't it? It really was, and. Uh... I, I say that to my students, and I say that to my audiences. All that anybody can say to you is no. Mm-hmm. You've heard no before. <laughs> right, yeah. Everybody's heard no. Your mother told you that. Take your hands off that cake. No, don't, you know, you hear no. Yeah. So you yeah. have to ask. And if they say no, thank them for giving you time and going about your business. Yeah. No reason to be mad, no reason to be upset, no reason to blame them for anything. If Mr. Logan had said no, there are other clubs in New York. I was right. I wanted Birdland for an obvious reason. It's 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 classic, and yeah. so I didn't mind saying to you, to him, this is meaningful. Your your club is is a very meaningful club. We recently, I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta, mm-hmm. and we recently did a um, uh, a fundraiser for uh, women. Uh, up up at, at at the Apollo, well that's okay. the Apollo is 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 is, is a classic. So yeah. when Johnetta Cole, I don't know if you know Johnette, Doctor Cole, 
and you should because she's wonderful, but Dr. Cole is now the head of the National Council of Negro Women. So when Diana called me and said, you know, will you come up to the Apollo? I said, well, it's two. You you said two things that make me say yes. (laughs) One is you. I would do whatever. Uh, Janetta Cole is is an incredibly wonderful woman. And you Uh said the Apollo. And quite naturally, who wouldn't want to, as a black person, who wouldn't want to be on stage at the Apollo Theater? Absolutely. Yes, it is. Yeah, and and you know, you, I'm so glad you said that. My son actually played on the Apollo uh, uh, stage before, um, and that's a memory that you know you just never will forget. Something like that, oh, yeah. you know. Oh, no, it's um, wonderful. It's- yeah, yeah. And then um, another thing too, um, Nikki, was uh, your book. Um, um, what started a good cry? And I heard is that the name. Yeah, yeah no, my latest book. It started because yeah. um, the death of my mother, which was quite some time ago now, actually 13 years ago. And when mommy died, there was so much to be done. Mommy died June 24th, and then my sister died on, on the uh, 10th of uh, July. So I had, and I knew that Gary, her name was Gary. I knew that Gary was dying. She had cancer. And so mm. as the, I was the baby, and I went Im- almost immediately from being the baby to being an elder. And then mm. my aunt, Agnes, who was the baby in her, there were three sisters, and Ag was the baby in her family. When Ag died, that left me as the elder in the family. There are only eight wow. of us left. And so mm. you have some, you know, responsibilities, and you don't have time to cry. You say, I have to get this done, I have to get this done, I have to get this done. And when we finally came to, I love the book, by the way, A Good Cry, because I, mm. I realized that um, what I needed was to be able to sit down and have a good cry. I had mm-hmm. a, uh, 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 not a seizure, but a seizure, but not a stroke. And mm-hmm. a part of it, a part of what, what happened was that I was holding things in. Mm. And I needed, to, mm. I needed to be able to let things out and uh, just sit down and have a good cry. And that's how that right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I believe you talk about in that book, about um, transitioning, um, because there was something that I heard you say about stone, like gemstones, mm-hmm. and um, because I'm a believer in reincarnation, I believe you know um, this is you know not it. We're spiritual beings living a human experience. Yeah. I believe that you know our souls, you know, travel have traveled hundreds and hundreds of times. And when yeah. I heard you say that, I'm like, oh my gosh, she gets it. She, yeah, she no, I, I believe that, and the word that I don't really like is death, because nothing yeah, is me dead. Either. Right. Everything goes in, and it comes out another way. And mm-hmm. I've been laughing with people, because it, in any audience, no matter what its color, no matter black, brown, you know, white, it doesn't matter. We all have heard somebody that we love say something to us. And mm-hmm. if we say that to a friend, we say, you know, I felt like my grandmother was talking to me. If the friend is a real friend and doesn't mind being foolish, she said, I know what you mean, girl, because I felt the same way about mine, you know, a month ago or whatever. Right. You have these spirits that are coming to you and talking Mm -hmm. to you, and you have to learn to listen to them. That's right. Absolutely. You hear your grandmother say, girl, don't don't be bothered with that person. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Your dog and your grandmother tell you to Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And you let your work, um, you know, you just, you want to, another thing that I saw that, that I admired about you is that um, you, you let your work go. You don't hold on to what you've done in the past. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to to let it go because if you're trying to always look at what you did, then you're always mm. trying to, 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 to make it the same. You don't want mm-hmm. to have a contradiction. But I'm 75, for example, years old. I'm very proud to be 75 years old. But if mm-hmm. I haven't changed from 25 when I worked my first book to 75 when I, my last one came out, something's wrong with somebody. <laughs> you know? Right. 
Absolutely. I'm supposed to learn something in 50 years. Yeah. (laughs) You know, yeah, yeah that's just the way that goes. And it's hard to explain that to uh, students and sometimes to, to audiences because they're saying, oh, no, you know, I want to make sure I'm not, I'm not saying something wrong. Well, there's nothing wrong with growing. You've got to grow. Right, yeah. You've got to grow. You've got to grow. And, you know, in this day and time, um, <laughs> everything is so PC, politically correct. I mean, you can't say anything without somebody jumping down somebody else's throat. People are at each other's throat all the time. They don't want to hear what the other side has to say. You know, uh, you know, the culture that number 45 has set for this country is just, you know, I, I know uh, this too know. shall pass. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You know, but, you know, I really, uh, and I, I, I usually start many conversations with, you know, I really hate Donald Trump. And mm-hmm. somebody else said it, and, and it was the most correct things I ever heard. Somebody said, if you don't know the face of the devil, it's because you're running with him. Oh, that just And I love chill. that. That made sense to me because I know the face of the devil. I am not running with him. I know what the devil looks like. Ooh, and wow. most people don't, don't want to say that. They want to say, well, we don't want to hurt his feelings. Well, I don't know that he has any feelings, but whatever he has, I want to hurt it. Oh, that is deep. Say that again, Nikki. Well, say that true. again. That was deep. Mm-hmm. If you don't see the face of the devil, it's because yeah. you're running with him. Wow. That's true. That is yeah. true. That is the truth. Woo, girl, I still got chills over that one. Yeah, because it's just, um, yeah, yeah. So what do you, because, I mean, you've seen a lot. You know, you've um, uh, done a lot um, in the 60s and the 70s, you know, with activism and and all of that. So do you you see, like for me, I'm looking at today, right? Now I'm in in, in my Um, mid-50s. And so... You know, you're thinking that, okay, all of that Jim Crow stuff and you know, it's behind us, you know, we're moving forward. And, and all those things haven't gotten completely better. They've gotten better. But now it seems like we've gone back 20 steps. Uh, you know, I, I don't think so. I think we've gone forward. What okay. I think the younger generation has to understand, and I've said that to my son, and I have a granddaughter who is just a wonderful young woman. She's 13. What we have to understand is my generation, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm really practically your mother's age. My yes, you generation are. got rid of segregation, but we right. did not get rid of racism. Mm, that's right. And it that's has right. to be remembered. So it, when we talk about racism, sometimes we in the black community want to say, we want to train white people not to be racist. I don't know that we can train white people not to be racist, but I know that we can train black people not to care about it. Oh, yes. So you can't change yes. fools. That's right. what Jesus teaches us that. Jesus on the yes. cross turned yes. away from the man on his right. I'm a big fan of Jesus. I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. When, when he was on the cross, the man on the right, think about it. He was in the middle, right? The man on the right said to him, well, you say you're God, but you're up here. And Jesus, they say Jesus loved everybody, but Jesus didn't love everybody. He loved mm-hmm. the people who loved him. And mm-hmm. Jesus turned away from that fool and turned to the left. And the man right. on the left said, I believe that you are God. And Jesus right. said to him, you will be with me in heaven. Mm. Yeah, and that's what we have to keep in mind. We can't do anything to save the people on the right; they fools. Yeah. So we have to turn around and say the people on the left who are trying to help us. This is who we are are, are, are standing with. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. Now that was profound. That was yeah, deep. It, that's true, and I get yeah. tired of them acting like you know, oh Jesus just loved that he didn't. He didn't yeah. love the people who were changing money in the temple. That's when true. When he was out in the in, in the woods, when he was out in the in the desert, and he mm-hmm. was there forty days and forty nights, and, and and Satan came to him and offered him water and food. Jesus said, "Get thee behind me." Yeah. And because we're on on radio, I'm not going to say what I think Jesus said. 
<laughs> but I think that Jesus was so good with language. I'm sure it was an MF. Right. <laughs> you know what? I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I and, feel and you he, on that. Sure. Jesus didn't say to, to, to uh, 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 Judas, he didn't say to Judas, oh, I understand that you needed a job. That's why you had to sell me out. Right. He, he didn't. He didn't love him. Uh-uh. But we we know that he loved John, and we right. know that at the cross, and we who are black know that at the cross was Mary, and John the beloved the, the beloved disciple, wasn't it? That's right. And Jesus said Jesus said to John, "Take care of my mother." Mm-hmm. Didn't he? Mm-hmm. That's that's yes, what he did. But we also yep. know that the cross was heavy. And this is one of the things I, I keep, and I'm, I'm not a preacher, but one of the things that I try to remind people, the cross was heavy, but the person who came to help lift that cross was Simon the Cyrenian. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Simon said, Simon understood that cross is heavy, and we who are black, as was Simon, have mm-hmm. helped to carry this cross. Yes, ma'am. We have to be proud of ourselves. Yes, ma'am. I agree with that. We have to be proud of ourselves. Yeah, we have to be. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, oh, my gosh, I wish I could just, like, give you a megaphone and it could just, you could just say that and the whole world would hear it. (laughs) No, it's true. Yeah. Simon Simon saw it. And he said, let me me help you. He knew he couldn't go up on Calvary, but he knew he could go to it. And we who are black Americans know that we have carried the cross. Yes, we have. And to me, I'm still carrying it, actually. I feel like we will continue to carry it. That's right. Because we are listening to the God that we follow. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that that brings me to something else that um, I heard you say when you were talking about music and and how you 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 uh, like hip hop, actually. And you were talking. Yeah, and you were talking about um, if you take you said if you take our music and and our torn pants, um, and I'm not going to go on with the rest of that, but I want you to elaborate on that right there a little bit for us. Well, you know, it's really funny. Black people don't want to look like white people. You never see black people having a white face, do you? <laughs> no, ma'am. Nope. <laughs> it's, 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 white, it's white people that have a black face. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes, ma'am. It's true. It, it, it's the white people who want to wear their torn pants that poor black people wear because they can't do better. Right. And all of a sudden, it, it, it's in style. It's like, oh, yeah, this is the way we look. And you think, yeah. well, what, what what is wrong with that? I'm not going to have what we look like is now the style. Yeah. And people make the poor black people, they make them feel bad about it. But yeah. everybody wants to look like poor black people, don't they? Yep. And when you Absolutely. look at the earrings, you know this is this goes back to Africa. You you mm-hmm. you you wear your the earrings get bigger as you get older, so that you can ultimately, by the time you get to a, a round earring, it means that you're an adult. There's so mm-hmm. many things that we do that the world wants to be a part of that people have tried to take away from us. Yeah. And I'm a big 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 fan of the spirituals. And the spirituals, yeah. thank God, have moved into classical music. Everybody yeah. knows that that's a good thing. But yeah. I was just thinking, I was listening to Jesse Norman this morning as I was mm-hmm. driving. And one of the things that's going to happen with hip-hop is that we're going to look around, and hip-hop is going to be classical. It's going to yeah. sound differently. Yeah. Because we have made the music that's made America great. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You are absolutely yeah. right, and they want to take that from us too. And they want to take that every time I said that to do any art. Every time you see something that says traditional, you see a song, and it says author traditional. You know that it's black people. They just stolen it from us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't know if people know, well, I don't know if my, my, uh, as far as my listening audience, because I did not know this fact. Um, and it kind of blew my mind when I learned about it. But um, the the shooting back in 2005 at Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. that shooter was in your class. Yes, he was. Uh-huh. 
I could not believe that when I, I was like, wait a minute, what? So could you talk about that a little bit? Well, there was some. his name is Cho. There was something about Mr. Cho that I found to be evil. Mm-hmm. And I said on the third day of class, I said to Mr. Cho, I don't think that, that uh, I'm the professor for you. I think we need to find you somebody else. And he said, no. I said, no, what? And he said, I don't want to move. I said, no, let me let me say this again. Let me say it slower. <laughs> you will have to leave my class or I will resign. Mm. And he said to me, well, I meant it because I, I, uh, I know the face of the devil. Mm-hmm. Mm. He said, oh, no. He said, uh, you won't resign. And I said, Mr. Cho, you don't know me. And I went to my department head and I said, either get him out of my class, which I think we should do, or because I teach on Tuesday, Thursday, this was a Tuesday, or on Thursday, under your door will be my resignation. I will not have any relationship with this anymore. I don't, it, it, I don't. And everybody thought, oh, Nikki's just being crazy. Well, maybe I was, but nonetheless, uh, she decided that, okay. Let me get him. I said, do you mind if I teach him? I said, I don't care what you do with him, but he has to come out of my class. And it was a mm. year later that uh, that, that the shooting occurred. And so mm. she had to say to me, oh, well, you might have been right. I said, no, 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 that's not a might. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I know, How can you I might be evil. right about that? I know evil when I, when I see it and when I feel it. Yeah, and, uh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that something? And it's just, you know, just, oh, girl, I can't even imagine, Miss uh, Miss Nikki. I just can't. Like, wow. Well, see, people you want know? to say, oh, he had a, uh, there was a, a problem. He had a, 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 a what is that thing? Um, his his uh, emotional, he had emotional problems. He had whatever. I don't know um, any of those things. I just know evil. Mm-hmm. And he was evil. And the two of us could not exist, so one of us had to go. Didn't matter to me, as I'm always. I laugh about it, but see, I had a job when I when I came to Virginia Tech, and I have a job when I leave one. I had, I had my dog was being fed, and she had her shots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my car was paid for, and it was to, my car was old. By the way, I mm-hmm. I, I kept my first car twenty years old. Cars paid for, so there's nothing mm-hmm. that I want. <laughs> you right. Know, you, I'm not the person that you have to say, oh, we'll give you. I don't, I don't want, there's nothing that I want. What What yeah. I wanted was my dog to be taken care of and, and my car to get us, you know, oil changed every every now and then. And and the rest of it I'm not going to be interested in. Right. I'm not a whore. I, and, and I think that yeah. any of us who write poetry, that's the one thing you have to say to yourself. I'm not a whore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. important. Because otherwise, yeah. somebody will tell you, "Oh, I can give you this, or I can give you that," but uh, it, it it doesn't mean that it's good for you. Right. So you stand on your morals. I mean, you just you know, I try you, to. yeah. Now I think you've I done a pretty to. darn good job. Yeah. You know, and and time is running because I'm looking at the time, and I promised you I was yes. going to keep you to a certain time. I've enjoyed talking to you. I'm, I am going to have to leave because. Uh, I have tendonitis. I have 800,000 things wrong with me. I, I was laughing with somebody recently. I said, I think I died two years ago, but nobody told me, so I'm going back on. <laughs> you know, somebody uh-huh. needs to call me and say, Nikki, you know you died. And I said, oh, damn, I didn't realize that. You're a mess. So do I still have time to have you read Ego Tripping, or are we going to have oh, to do that? I would, I would love to read Ego Tripping. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, here we have Miss Nikki Giovanni reading one of her poems. It's an amazing poem, Ego Tripping. So take it away, Miss Nikki. I was born in the Congo. I walked to the Fertile Crescent and built the Sphinx. I designed a pyramid so tough that a star that only glows every 100 years falls into the center, giving divine, perfect light. I'm bad. I sat on the throne drinking nectar with a lot. I got hot and sent an ice age to Europe to cool my thirst. My oldest daughter is Nefertiti. The tears from my birth pains created the Nile. I am a beautiful woman. I gazed on the forest and burned out the Sahara Desert. With a packet of goat's meat and change of clothes, I crossed it in two hours. I am a gazelle, so swift, so swift, you can't catch me. For a birthday present when he was three, 
I gave my son, Hannibal, an elephant. He gave me Rome for Mother's Day. My strength flows ever on. My son, Noah, built Newark, and I stood proudly at the helm as we sailed on a soft summer day. I turned myself into myself and was Jesus. Men intoned my loving name. All praises, all praises. I am the one who would save. I sold diamonds in my backyard. My bowels deliver uranium. The filings from my fingernails are semi-precious jewels. On a trip north, I caught a cold and blew my nose, giving oil to the Arab world. I am so hip. Even my errors are correct. I sailed west to reach east and had to round off the earth as I went. The hair from my head thinned and gold was laid across three continents. I am so perfect, so divine, so ethereal, so surreal. I cannot be comprehended except by my permission. I mean, I can fly like a bird in the sky. Woo! Yes, Miss Nikki. I mean... That was, uh, I love that poem. I love that poem. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. And I I hope you uh, will come back and, and join us again so that we can continue on, you know, talking to each other. Because I just I love and adore you, and I know that the audience loves and adores you as well. I, I've enjoyed talking to you, and I thank you so much. I'm going to go take a bunch of pills. <laughs> okay. All right, sweetie. Well, you take care, and I hope you feel better. Okay, thank you so much. And thank you as well. All right, bye-bye. Good night. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that was Miss Nikki Giovanni. Oh, my gosh. If you missed the beginning of the... of the broadcast, you can go back and, and listen to it again after, you know, um, I sign off. But uh, she just read, we just had a live reading from Miss Nikki Giovanni, her poem, Ego Trippin'. And before I sign off, I wanted to actually give you one more poem of hers. I mean, she told me to call her Nikki, and sometimes I just can't help myself because that's just the way I was raised. But um, there's one more poem that I would like for you to listen to, um, and, and she's reading it, actually. And it's one of my favorites. It's a poem entitled, Yeah, This is a Love Poem. So here is Miss Nikki reading, This is a Love Poem. It's not that I don't respect a brother in Baltimore or Washington or even some parts of Northern Virginia, because I do. It's just that this is different. The brother who had to wake up before dawn, get into a car that may or may not need a new muffler, a new set of spark plugs, some attention to the motor, but who decided nonetheless that, yes, he had to heed the call to go to Washington, D.C. That's the brother I want to talk about. Not at all, please understand, that I don't have a high regard for the brother who got on a bus. Getting on buses has always been a central revolutionary act of black America, just as Plessy or Parks, no. Getting on a bus is an act of responsibility, an act of bravery, an act of commitment to change. But the brother who rose from his warm bed, who made his own coffee because his wife pretended to be asleep because she was scared that he might not come back alive, and she didn't want to let him see the fear in her eyes because she knew he needed to go, even if he wouldn't come back alive. That's the brother I want to talk about here. I want to talk about the young brother, who just doesn't seem to understand why everything he does, no matter how hard he tries, never seems to come out right. How if he goes bowling and gets nine pins, the tenth pin would just stand there, mocking the ball, headed for the gutter. How if he bumped into somebody on the street and said a simple, I'm sorry, someone else would jump in his face. But if he didn't say anything, then someone said he was uncouth, and how sometimes people would even deliberately run into him. So he joined with other people like him. And instead of calling it a benevolent society or a brotherhood or something wonderful and romantic like Elks and Masons and Lions or Rotarians, they call it a gang, indicating it was a nest of vipers, and terms like that indicating things we find dirty and unacceptable. How when four or five white boys rape a mentally handicapped girl, they are just exercising bad judgment. But when four or five black boys rape a jogger, they are all animals. And this is not for any brother who rapes any female. And it's not for anyone who hurts women or other vulnerable life forms. But just a word or two about the black boys who don't seem to understand why everything they ever try to do just never seems to turn out right. And I think, of course, yes. Why wouldn't they cry themselves to sleep when all they want and want to be they already know is denied them? Why wouldn't they be afraid of the dark? Why wouldn't their hearts be broken when the people they love, mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, 
girlfriends, good buddies, teachers, preachers, all turn out to be untrue. And please don't tell me that basketball and baseball and football aren't the way to go, that they should get their education, when their education will only tell them to get a talent, because the people who get up, if not out of these cesspools we call the inner city, have something more than a high school degree behind them, and you have to be some kind of a real fool not to see that they see who makes the money and who doesn't. But this is for the brother who does indeed believe there can be, should be, must be a change. It's not that I am in any way unhappy about the brother who has a fine home, a car that is always serviced on time, a job with health benefits, a pretty wife, happy, smart children, a dog that obeys. I'm proud and happy for him and his because I know a people cannot do better unless individuals do better. But this is about the brother who stands on the street corner singing five-part a cappella harmony and the brother who does break dancing under the street lights and the brothers who created rap because they took the music classes away so the brothers scratched, then they invented CDs, so the brothers rapped, then they said rap is the enemy of women, as if Bob Dole, Rush Lumbar, and self-satisfied Republicans with bumper sticker mentalities don't exist. So this is for the brother who was simply trying to find a tone to soothe his soul while everybody wants to make him the reason America is way off track. And this is about the brother who, knowing he is a better person than even he thinks he is, got in his car in Detroit or Cincinnati or St. Louis and headed for Washington, not knowing if he would be the only brother to show up for the Day of Atonement, but knowing if he was the only brother, then on this day, at this time, he would be the brother to stand and say to himself, his brothers, and the folks whom he loves and who love him, I am sorry that things are not different. And that is a mighty powerful thing to say because people want to make you make miracles when all any of us can actually say is, I wish it would be different. And this is for the brother who was willing to be the only brother so that if there would be laughter as he stood alone on the mall, he still said, I will stand today because it doesn't matter if I'm alone. I need to stand and testify. And yeah, this is a love poem for that brother who decided for this one point in time, I will be my better self. And we are all so very proud of you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that again was Miss Nikki Giovanni and her poem, Yeah, this is a love poem. Absolutely amazing. So that, with having said that, again, uh, this concludes the show for this evening. I want to thank everyone for tuning in with us. A shout out to my family who are always loving and supporting me, and also to my friends and colleagues in all of my social networking sites. Once again, a big, big thank you to Miss Nikki Giovanni for taking the time to share a big part of her journey and her wisdom with us. We are eternally grateful. Also, don't forget to stop by my website, yourdestinyawaits.net, to get some extra motivation and inspiration and leave us a message to let us know you stopped by. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash a date with destiny 101 and follow us on Twitter at least 101. That's L-Y-S-E 101. So make sure you come back and tune in next Monday at 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. And always remember, folks, that real power comes from knowledge because knowledge is power. And when we know better, we do better. So your mission, if you choose to accept it, is take the necessary time to do a true self-evaluation. Seek God and learn how to love yourself first, because after all, you owe it to yourself to know yourself. And once again, I'm Lisa M. Saunders, and thank you for tuning in to Blog Talk Radio, A Date with Destiny. Peace and abundant blessings, everyone. <laughs>